You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. I feel it in my fingers. In my fingers. I feel it in my toes. Christmas is all around me, and so the feeling grows. Hello, everybody. I'm Zach. I'm Brandon. Happy freaking holidays. You're listening to another episode of Nostalgia Be Damn, the show where we take some of your favorite movies, the ones you're nostalgic about, the ones you watched growing up. We we review them objectively. We let you know, are these movies any good or are you blinded by nostalgia? This week we watched 2003's holiday rom-com, Love Actually. Mm-hmm. Zach, I heard that slip. It sounded like you said we abuse them, or you wanted to say we abuse these movies. I don't know what I was you saying. You checked yourself. You chickety-checked yourself before you wrecked yourself, yeah. and you stopped. Because honestly, a lot of the times on this show, we do. We do abuse <laughs> a lot of these movies, and but a lot of them de- kind of deserve it. I mean, True, and some of them, some of them hold up. So before everyone just starts the hate mail, before they even get into this episode, <laughs> I feel like this is a, a beloved film, a cherished film, especially around the holidays. Uh, love actually i i feel so right like i guess i feel like in your circle of friends and family is this a movie that's never mentioned or no i mean i i, really? I feel like this movie for at least a lot of the people that i know has kind of fallen into the 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 sands of fucking time wow okay because for a lot of people i know this is every year we're watching love actually really yeah yeah I, and like you look on some of these lists it ranks among some of the best holiday films of all time i do feel in recent years, people have sort of done what this show does, reevaluate Love Actually <laughs> to realize, you know what, a little bit of it might be uh, problematic. It's a little problematic. Um, like a lot of the movies we review on this show. Yeah, this time period was a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were like, you know, you watch a movie from like the fucking 60s or the, the 80s and you're like, well, you know, they, they got away with it because that was the 60s and the 80s. And now it's like, uh, like you watch movies from the 2000s like this movie and you see some of the problematic things that happen you're like oh my fucking god (laughs) (laughs) we haven't even cracked 20 years yet yeah there's something about using like racial slurs and like cell phones that really like gets to you (laughs) like at the same time it's like it's a problem i feel it in my fingers (laughs) god i feel it in my toes man that song's stuck in my head now, and I can't get it out. Fuck. It took me no time to forget that. Not the tagline yeah. of the film. It's actually, uh, love actually is all around. Pretty lame. More lame is the one that was on the poster, which was just the ultimate romantic comedy, and it had all these actors' faces on it like it was like the Avengers of rom-coms. Yeah, this fucking... <laughs> you're right, it is like the <laughs> Avengers. It's, yeah, especially this- back in this time, these people were fucking hot. These were like the people. Yeah, this was a fucking cast and a half back then today it's it's still filled with i mean you know countless recognizable stars i mean today you're like oh look it's that woman from ozark and liam neeson (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot of good people in it mr bean shows up at one point snape's in this movie dude. i don't understand yeah yeah i know snape's in this movie. well yeah that's true i forgot that like a lot of people would recognize severus snape but well yeah you'd forget a lot of these people too because they're, they're on screen so few minutes, you know? Yeah, I know. I'm blowing it out for comedy's sake, but it is, like, the, it is an impressive cast. 
It is. Yeah, and I do feel like it's a stuffy white bread cast of a lot of yeah. English actors who were very famous, especially in the early 2000s. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a very British movie, and I uh, I will say this: I know it says the ultimate romantic comedy. This set the stage for like a lot of this kind of bullshit, where it was just like, well, it's almost like an anthology, and it's like, ugh, I could do the fuck without it. New Year's Eve and Valentine's Day, where it's Valentine's like you Day. get literally twenty people on a poster, and you can afford them because you're paying them for like eight hours of work. <laughs> Yeah, they're doing like maybe like a, a week of work, so it's like yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll pay you the sag minimum for you to basically show up and just like dick around for a day. Yeah, it's insane, and I hated that that trend. Yeah, that yeah, this seems to be the start of it. Yeah, I mean, for those uninitiated, Love Actually's IMDb plot synopsis reads: uh, follows the lives of eight very different couples in dealing with their love lives in various loosely interrelated tales, all set during a frantic month before Christmas in London, England. So sort of a a pulp fiction <laughs> of Christmas rom-coms. Yeah, I mean, okay. Yeah. Well, the director, yeah, Richard Curtis, cited pulp fiction and then the works of uh, Robert Altman, I guess, as his inspiration for making the film because he just was more interested in writing a film about love and what love sort of means, having the idea to sort of create an ensemble film based off of those. You are not allowed to cite pulp fiction as a fucking inspiration for love, actually. <laughs> It's not allowed. I'm not allowing it. (laughs) Uh, uh, Richard Curtis, this is his directorial debut. He's only uh, gone on to direct two other films, Pirate Radio, and what I think is the best thing he's ever written or directed, uh, About Time. Did you ever see that one with Rachel McAdams and Donald Gleason? No, I didn't. I've seen Pirate Radio. Pirate Radio is pretty decent, and yeah, honestly, I think he just got better after yeah, Radio Time and About uh, Radio Time, Pirate Radio and About Time. Solid, solid movies. Yeah, About Time's a pretty nice little rom com there as well. He's most known Pirate Time. (laughs) Yeah, or About Radios. Yeah. He's most known for his writing, though, writing a lot of Mr. Bean specials and movies, uh, as well as a slew of rom-coms like Four Weddings and a Funeral, Notting Hill, uh, a couple of the Bridget Jones Diary movies, and most recently, that Danny Boyle movie, Yesterday, the one about the Beatles. So, you know, a lot of, che- yeah. a lot of cheeky whimsy, this guy. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> That's a great band name, by the way, Cheeky Whimsy. <laughs> Um, like I said, Love Actually quite celebrated by audiences. It does have a 7.6 on IMDb. It's got a 64% on Rotten Tomatoes, so a little cooler with critics with a consensus that reads a sugary tale overstuffed with too many stories. Still, the cast charms. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Roger Ebert, our boy Roger Ebert, actually kind of a fan of this movie. Gave it three and a half out of four stars. He described it as, and I like how he, he put this, a belly flop into the sea of romantic comedy. The movie's only flaw is also a virtue. It's jammed with characters, stories, warmth, and laughs, until at times Curtis seems to be working from a checklist of obligatory movie love situations and doesn't want to leave anything out. It feels like a gourmet meal that turns into a hot dog eating contest. (laughs) Astute as ever. I love that guy. So it cost $40 million to make. It earned $59 million in the U.S. and a whopping $245 million worldwide. Of course, a big hit overseas. Uh, it did place 49th on the domestic box office charts in the U.S., just below another Christmas comedy, Bad Santa, and ahead of Gothica. This is also the year of Elf, which did crack the top 10. So those three Christmas movies, I guess, were uh, 
on people's minds in, in, in the year of our Lord, 2003. I mean, 2003, they knocked it out of the park with friggin' Christmas movies. Well, I mean, in, in terms of getting into the zeitgeist. I was going to say, these three films have uh, endeared, uh, endured, rather, and I think that they're movies that we'll be talking about long after this, too. Yeah, check out our Elf episode. No, we got to do Elf, dude. We've been talking about it. It's one that I know. It we haven't done Elf. I know it seems like we've done it already, but I just we've talked about it every year. Hell, and I thought we had done it. Yeah. I know. Hey, next Christmas, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> uh, there was a made-for-television short film sequel called Red Nose Day, actually, which aired in two different versions on BBC One and NBC back in 2017. It's sort of a charity thing, I think. Love actually did get a Best uh, Musical or Comedy, Best Picture nomination at the Golden Globes, as well as Best Screenplay nomination. It did win a BAFTA, which is sort of, you know, the, the British Academy Awards. I uh, won Best Supporting Actor for Bill Nye as the uh, rock star Billy Mack. He got Best Supporting Actor for the role, and uh, it was also nominated for uh, Best Supporting Actress in a role, Emma Thompson. And Best British Film didn't win. <sighs> Okay. <laughs> that that about yeah, that about wraps it up though, yeah, Zach. I mean, so I think we can analysis. hop right wait, into did, this. Wait, movie. wait, yeah. I don't think we talked about any nostalgia. well, I guess we kinda did nostalgia for this movie. Oh, at the start there, how yeah, yeah we, we do gotta get into, yeah, very, very quickly how you were introduced to the movie. Um and again, it clearly seems like something you haven't caught up with over the years. No, I saw I caught it on syndication one time. Wow. Yeah. And like so I knew where the famous like card scene was from, but like other than that, like, you know. That's it. Yeah, certain moments I feel didn't, like you didn't can't realize escape. there were so. Yeah, didn't realize from watching it on TV how many friggin' titties are in this movie. Titties and f bombs. Yeah, it is needlessly, yeah. as I was gonna tell you, rated R. <laughs> I mean, it again, needlessly rated R <laughs> for sexuality, nudity, and language. But yeah, I guess the studio did did ask him to maybe like, hey, you could probably cut this down to a PG thirteen. We can make more money. But he was very adamant that he um wanted to show some titties. I guess ridiculous. But anyway, Pulp Fiction. Yeah, that's you know. Okay, you're right. This has more okay, titties than Pulp it. Fiction. It's Pulp Fiction. We're reviewing Pulp Fiction. Go ahead with Pulp Fiction. Get started. Oh God damn it! All right. So I don't remember the first time I ever saw Love. Actually, to be honest, it's one of those things that like I can't recall it. I know that over the years I saw it. I, I must have probably saw it four or five years after it actually came out. It wasn't a movie I saw the year it came out or anything. Um, but it was most likely with a significant other. I know I've watched this with several several significant others and it's just a movie I don't find myself watching on my own you know what yeah, I mean or yeah. even necessarily with family because despite the opening scene here which I think sets you up for a movie just about love which could be romantic could be familial this is a movie about couples just people in romantic love where I feel yeah. the movie could have benefited from actually just being you know a holiday movie about the different you know relationships and and the bonds we create in love in that general sense but no yeah you're overstepping your bounds already really quick because i mean we haven't even started <laughs> well yeah i mean we're getting into it yeah. now because i that that is where the movie starts but yeah this was a movie i do remember enjoying it's just a movie i never watch on my own and so you know to watch it critically we begin at the airport with real authentic footage of people reuniting at, at the terminal. So this is stuff he actually shot, got their permission to use in the movie, like <laughs> secret cam footage type stuff of just people meeting. And it is, it's sweet. I like this whole bit. I like the conceit of what he's doing is just like Hugh Grant narrating, who plays the prime minister, by the way. <laughs> Hugh Grant doing his most Hugh Grant. Imp like Again, he is doing what Christopher Walken does now is like impressions of himself. Like that's what he's doing in this movie. Billy Bob is the president as the United States president. Like it couldn't get more like 
it couldn't get more cartoonish casting for like the <laughs> leaders of the free world. Fuck yes. It was, it's 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 hysterical. It's it's probably the funniest part of the movie I loved it. is just the idea that those two are like the most British person in the world and the most like Southern American person in the world. Like it's just so funny. It's so goddamn funny. <laughs> Sling Blade is the president. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. But yeah, Hugh Grant, he's narrating, you know, when he when I'm bummed out, I think about yeah, the airport and where do people meet each other after long periods of time away. <laughs> yeah, love actually is all around. And uh again, sweet conceit. I like where they're going. I wish they would have hit it a little harder in the terms of just it being more maybe about like, you know, because they do have the Liam Neeson father-son relationship. They've got a couple of these, but I think it could have been a little better. This could have been a movie you watch with your family at Christmas time, not just a significant other. Yeah, I can't wait to get into the fucking like buddy cop relationship of fucking Liam Neeson and his son, by the way. (laughs) Which clearly inspired Taken, his overprotective father here. But I feel it in my fingers, Zach. I feel it in my toes. We meet uh, Bill Nye as rock star Billy Mack, who's re-recording uh, some song, Love Is All Around, which I thought was an original song by this character, but I do actually think it exists. I think it's a trog song or whatever. But anyway, he's just crudely replacing the word love with the word Christmas, and it doesn't even fit. And so he's introduced, like, trying to re-record the song, but he keeps fucking it up because he keeps just singing the regular lyrics. I, I like Bill Nye, okay? I like this character. We get just enough of him yeah. for him not to, like, overstay his welcome. Yeah, I couldn't have done a full movie of this, but I'm going to say that a lot about a lot of the characters in this movie. So, And he is one of the few characters that doesn't have any sort of romantic interest. This is one of those few stories that's more of just about him appreciating his longtime like, manager, I guess. The guy who's always working with him and he always treats like shit, but at the end of the day is still his best friend. I kind of like the relationship. It's, it's okay. I think there's only like two or three like actual, like I know it's a Christmas movie. I feel like there's only like maybe two, maybe three actual Christmas like stories in this. And this is kind of like the Grinch one. Sure. Yes, I could see that. Like he's finding his like Christmas spirit as we get closer to Christmas, I guess, because he's he's such a cynical douche in this movie. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, yeah, he, he's clearly like a Mick Jagger-inspired uh, rock star, and yeah. I do, I do, I just get a hit, hit, hit of like, <laughs> Christmas is all around us. I like what it's playing on, too, is just the, uh, you know, the crude- Commercialism. But commercialism yeah. of these, yeah, these bullshit songs that come out, with, and then his whole plot that runs through this movie is that he's trying to get the Christmas number one, which I guess is a really big deal in the UK. It's the number one Christmas song, and there's some boy band he's competing with, and so that's he's trying to convince the public that he doesn't give a shit, and so that's why they'll vote for him, I guess, is what is going on I, here. You know what? I get it. <laughs> Bodie, Bodie McBoatface, man. For the next 45 minutes, essentially, we're just being introduced to characters, just not like scenes and i mean seconds sometimes less than a minute with these characters just setting who this person up some of them interact with each other others are completely disparate and mean nothing to each other but maybe a funeral or two here oh also we need to like address too that apparently like everybody in this movie knows each other so it's weird yeah uh and i don't get and like the whole time i'm like racking my brain i was like wait how are any of these people fucking connected my Emma Thompson being, like, related to, like, every single fucking person on screen. (laughs) Yeah. I don't quite understand. What we do know is, yeah, Emma Thompson, she plays Karen. She's a stay-at-home mom. 
uh, super, super sweet person. She's married to the shitty Snape, Alan Rickman, who is this head of some uh, design agency or some shit, I don't know. But he's hitting on the secretary there at all times. So Karen's brother just so happens to be David, that's Hugh Grant, the prime minister. And then she's also friends with, I think, Liam Neeson, who is now experiencing the loss of his wife. She has just died, and he now, which I didn't know until the literally the last seconds of his story, that he is actually the stepdad of this kid, not the biological father. And so he's kind of then, after the death of the mother, forced to you know raise the son, but they don't have a whole lot in common. Yeah, I kind of like maybe figured that just kind of based on their relationship in general and the fact that he doesn't call him dad, he calls him by his first name. The son calls him by his first oh, name. Oh, sure. So uh, <laughs> I just thought that was a precocious kid asshole trait. Yeah. This little kid yeah. Sometimes Which, rubs me the wrong way. By the way, my girlfriend was so upset that like we're watching this little kid and I was like, I can't believe that's like the fucking southern dude from... Uh, Queen's Gambit, and she got so pissed at me. She's like, why would you even point that out? <laughs> Wait, that's him grown up? Yeah. Oh, no shit. Yeah, okay, he plays, I, I, I he know plays, what you're talking uh, I've only seen the, the previews with that, but that that's making a face in, connection now. Wow. You didn't know that either. I thought this was, like, super obvious. No. Okay. No. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't bother to look up this kid's name after, let's see if he even was still working. I didn't know. He's, like, relatively <laughs> famous now. He's no also in Game of Thrones. Wow. Oh yeah, wow! He's, yeah, did not even he, make he that connection. Like, he like gets like good roles now <laughs> as an adult, and he's got a weird face. He's also in the Maze Runner too, I think. I don't. Oh know. okay. But, oh okay. Yes. Yeah. No shit. Okay. Now I remember. I saw the first Maze Runner. Wow. Okay. I I did not this know is this crazy to me. I did, like. I thought this kid has the most obvious face in the world because it's like very punchable. It's very <laughs> punchable. This is a punchable kid. Ah. <laughs> uh. Well, I do have to say that one of my least favorite storylines that we keep following is Juliet, played by Kira Knightley, and Peter, played by Chiwetel Ejiofor. They are getting married, and at this wedding, first off, this wedding is some bullshit. This whole yeah, scene. Yeah, fuck this wedding. It's framed as though, and I feel like Andrew Lincoln, Walking Dead guy, Rick, uh, I feel like he plays it in the beginning here that he is in love with his best friend. It seems, I always thought it was that he was in love with Chiwetel Ejiofor and that Keira Knightley fucked that up and that's why he doesn't like her. And I feel like that's what the movie's also trying to make you believe. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's set up this whole surprise band so they play as they walk out of the church and yeah, it's some it's some rom-com horse shit. But, yeah. Uh, and among these guests is a Colin Firth who is <laughs> Jamie He's a writer who left, he goes to the wedding. As he's leaving for the wedding, his girlfriend's like, oh, I don't feel well. I'll see you when you get back or whatever. He comes back after the wedding to find her, you know, banging another dude. Classic, classic rom-com stuff. Uh, and then Laura Linney is also in the crowd there. I guess they just know each other. Uh, her story, by the way, I will say Laura Linney and Emma Thompson get left out to fucking dry in this movie. There's no coda to like make you feel better about some of them. Like it is just like, wow, you're going to leave these people completely with nothing. This is sad. Um, Two other characters we do end up meeting is John and Judy. This is Martin Freeman and Joanna Page. I got to talk to, I, I could talk an hour about these two characters and what they're doing. This is supposedly their stand ins for what is either the most graphic sex scene in Hollywood or the most expensive porn that's ever existed. I just don't, I don't understand. Like they're, they're forced to like disrobe and to mime sex acts, but 
in they're doing it in a casual way where they're just kind of like meeting and greeting and you know they're they're slowly falling in love over the course of this like set day there's there's a lot of pointless storylines in this movie this being one of them like it's Definitely. it's li- immediately where i have problems with this movie it's like oh titties and a laugh yeah that's what this that's what this scene is for i like i get it but I think having Martin Freeman in it like bothers the hell out of me because that guy is like a a really w- coveted actor now. Yeah, yeah. And like to have him just stand in for like a cheap laugh and some nudity is like, oh my god. And again, it's funny because it's that it's the British sensibility too. So it's not how Amer- this would yeah. this scene would fit in an American rom- romantic comedy that's rated R. You know what I mean? Right. It'd be far more yucks and and probably some more distasteful humor but at the same time it just comes out of nowhere and feels just like out of a different movie and they 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 amount to nothing really by the end of it dry absurdist humor yeah this scene and then the fucking the british delivery driver who wants to go to america to get laid (laughs) dude that may be my favorite one (laughs) colin i think his name is yeah so this guy fucking ups and moves to milwaukee wisconsin where i currently reside by the way he moves to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and like goes into some fucking weird dive bar and immediately like hooks up with three and then it's we're led to believe four like beautiful women and it's like it's the funniest fucking joke in the movie. It's the funniest joke in the movie because it's like of course this wouldn't happen. Of course you're not just going to like move to America and like get laid like within like seconds he doesn't even stop anywhere he doesn't have a place to live he just walks into a bar immediately from the airport and gets like in a threesome <laughs> it's fucking funny i'm sorry it's, it's it's the funniest part of the movie and that's yeah. all we're gonna say about it because there's no point in bringing it back up again it's it's funny fuck this movie it's funny <laughs> yeah it really is because i don't think it's an hour it's like an hour and a half into the movie before he finally even makes it to america he just cuts back to him every so often trying to explain to people like, it's so much build up and then just like oh it works <laughs> like because like it, if you're watching like even fucking american pie this doesn't work out for this character no it no. works out in this movie <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> oh gosh so we do all so so to get in a little bit more with Daniel, that's Liam Neeson. And again, yeah. I'm gonna call these people by their actors' name because there's just too many characters. Yeah, I I I couldn't I couldn't tell you who they are. Anyway. He's close friends with Emma Thompson. He's mourning the recent death of his wife Joanna, and he is trying to care for his stepson Sam. So this eulogy scene, I do got to admit, it's pretty pretty sad. Neeson fucking killing it, and it's it's weird to see Neeson in the 2000s like acting in movies that aren't him beating up foreigners yeah killing people (laughs) indiscriminately yeah yeah. as we mentioned sarah that's laura linney she first appears at juliet and uh peter's wedding sitting next to jamie she is an american who's working at uh snape's graphic design company she's been in love with the creative director there carl who's played by uh, rodrigo santoro who i'm pretty sure is the guy the main bad guy in 300 like the oh. bald Xerxes I think that's him just bald like that's what? him with gold paint and bald yeah Rodrigo Santoro yeah what oh my god also I want to just point out that you keep calling Alan Rickman Snape <laughs> yeah I know I, I want I, I'll like he's stop, not yeah. like a deserved actor who did like who like you could call him Alan Rickman <laughs> know, and I feel like most people should know who he is yes I'm, no I'm just saying it's just funny to me yeah go ahead yeah so um, and, and feel free to call him Snape it was just funny to me <laughs> Uh, Bill Nye, Billy Mack, he does deliver a, a pretty frank 
interview on this uh, sort of radio show about how his career's in the shitter and um, his new record's a piece of shit. And uh, he's just very frank about how he doesn't really care about the music anymore. Uh, but he, yeah, his song now, Christmas is All Around Us or whatever it is, um, is the dark horse to become this Christmas number one song, which there is like second to being knighted, I guess, is the most important thing you can accomplish in that history. If I saw this interview, I'd fucking listen to his music. I mean, he's, <laughs> Definitely. he's smart. He knows what the fuck he's doing. We also get Natalie, who is uh, played by Martine McCutcheon, who I haven't seen too much of after this. She is a new junior member of the household staff for the prime minister. The prime minister is mad horny for her, hardcore. There's a lot of, specifically with his storyline and Alan Rickman's storyline, a lot of men in power dynamics whom I don't know mm. if their relationship should work out. Definitely not the Alan Rickman one because he's being a sleaze. But this one here, they play it off as this is a charming, whimsy story. But like at the same time, I don't know about this. It's and man he's, in power. Yeah, it's it's like a man in supreme power too. It's it's not like a boss employee like the Alan Rickman story. It's like the prime minister of the country. And at least like, you know, he tries to like distance himself a little yep. bit and he's like, nope, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. I mean, it, he fucking fails in the end, but you know, what are you going to do? Right. And he is single. He's a bachelor and that's kind of a big talking point among yeah. a lot of the people in the country. And so at least he's not married already. Like Alan Rickman is. Yes, the, exactly. Because this this almost like positions it as like, what if Monica Lewinsky and Bill Clinton fell in love at Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which you don't want it to go there. No. But yeah, thankfully. Um, and here's the other thing that is baffling to me about this character. And I don't know if the movie is in on this joke as much as I think it should be, is that everyone keeps calling this girl chubby. There's this whole oh, running know. gag about how her family thinks she's chubby, how like most, some people in the office are remarking on her like thick thighs. And it's like, yeah, it would be funny if like it would be a little funnier if maybe they went a little harder on it so that it's it's such out of the realm of possibility that you're only supposed to laugh at it because it's so absurd that people keep saying this. But right. I don't think the movie is doing that. It seems as though, based on the casting and whatnot, that they're like... No, like, yeah. It, like, I don't know how they want us to feel. Like, they're kind of punching down, but also it's like, this woman is no, nowhere near... Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, you're right. It does feel like they, like, wrote it in the casting, like, have to be a little thicker. And, like, they rolled with it, and it's kind of like... I, I don't know. It's gross. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's very, it's unnecessarily like body shaming. And I don't understand why, because it, yeah. it just doesn't add up. And I, yeah, it's one of the parts of the movie. I'm like, I, why is this in here? Because you're right. It, it doesn't seem like the movie is like in on it. It feels like they are just punching down on fat people. But like, God forbid you like hire a bigger person for the love interest of Hugh Grant. So they had to like actually hire like a fit actress and then just called her fat for no reason. Yeah. And again, if like maybe if they went more over the top with it, it would be evidence like that that, or that it just didn't make sense. But yeah, the, the amount of times they comment on it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, for it's me. fucking weird. Kira Knightley wants footage of her wedding because I guess the videographer they hired was a, a dud. Sucked at his job. Yeah, yeah. So she asks Walking Dead there, Rick, if she can have what he shot at the wedding because he was filming the entire time. Even so much so that at one point someone, I think it was Laura Linney actually, she sat down and asked him point blank, do you love him? Because even she, like the audience, thinks that he's in love with his best friend. Yeah. But oh boy, Zach, we're not quite at that twist yet. We do meet more of Mia, who is the secretary of Alan Rickman, and she is like thirsty for him on an unhealthy level. 
Yeah. Like and- every moment, every interaction she has with him is somehow sexually suggestive. Yeah, and he should be shutting it down. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's fucked up and weird. And also, he's Alan Rickman. Like, calm down. <laughs> well, it's the voice, man. It's that voice. You want to sip a Slytherin. Potter. <laughs> exactly, man. Hans Gruber, another Christmas movie. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Tying it all back. Yeah. So one of my least favorite characters in this movie is is Colin Firth. His whole storyline, He so after being broken up with because his girlfriend fucked his brother, he moves to some... Yeah. remote French cottage to be all alone and write, setting himself up for a real like shining situation. And this is where he meets Portuguese housekeeper Aurelia, who does not speak any English. And so mm-hmm. we're meant to believe that before Christmas, by the way, I think this movie starts at four weeks before Christmas, and then we just move up to Christmas, three weeks, two weeks, whatever it is. Doesn't matter. But Something like that, yeah. Like whatever. We're meant to believe that until Christmas, over the next few weeks, She's going to find him so fucking alluring based on just his body language and their interactions where they don't actually communicate entirely well. Say anything to each other. Yeah. That she's just so taken by him that like she is going to marry him by the end of this month. (laughs) Yeah. Also, the third storyline of an employer falling in love with this female subordinate. Exactly. Come on. What are you guys doing? Yeah. Jesus Christ. The prime minister is having a meeting with the president of the United States, as we mentioned, played by Billy Bob Thornton, a real bad Santa himself. And there's this running bit where, and I think this is this is playing on real life politics involving like Tony Blair and George Bush and that era of politics. But it's like yeah. the Amer like Americans bullying, yeah, <laughs> Americans bullying the British. Even though Billy Bob Thornton is a way smarter president than George Bush was. Yeah, he almost seems like a mixture of, like, they put Bush and Clinton together, and he's got, like, that sleet. Like, he's just, like, a combo of them yeah. both. But, yes. And, I again, I, when he got out of that fucking limo, because, again, I forgot. There's so many characters. And he's only on screen if you add it all up for maybe two and a half minutes. But yeah. I love me some Billy Bob Thornton. I do, too. Um, a lot of Fargo cast members in this movie. <laughs> The show, not the movie. Yeah. An Aaron Sorkin, like, political drama this is not, because I do love how they just breeze through these fucking He, like, tanks American-British, like, relations. (laughs) Like, one of the the oldest and strongest allies, like... They're being bullied by whatever, I don't know, trade negotiations or whatever they're trying to work through. It doesn't make any sense, politically speaking. No, but and the meetings are so brief, and it's so, like generic language like oh we've got to work together on this and then it, then it just keeps cut literally like s- seconds of them talking in boardroom and then it cuts to billy bob and hugh grant after just kind of like chatting like oh that was an interesting day you give me what i want and maybe i'll give you what you want <laughs> oh my god politics it's like house of cards <laughs> exactly yeah and, and both of them are, are real creeps because uh, later on david uh, hugh grant does walk in on natalie serving tea to the president and appears like something maybe weird is happening. Like he's whispering in her ear or something. I don't know. But then this starts this whole weird, like <laughs> they're just staring at each other and you wonder if anyone's going to say anything, but instead Hugh Grant just slowly becomes more uncomfortable around her and just has her like redistributed throughout <laughs> the, the office. So, you know, kind of to distance himself essentially, even though it's clear that the president of the United States was probably making unwanted sexual advances, but whatever. Yeah. And um, this is after the prime minister has sort of flirted with Natalie and they kind of have a rapport. Um, this is when another another colleague mentions how she's got thick thighs. I don't understand. We also, you know, skipped over his little dance throughout the whole uh, didn't need the didn't whole care. place there. He, he does. Little, yeah. And it's, yeah, he's charming. He's Hugh Grant, right? 
He's British. so fucking charming. And Colin yeah. Firth, speaking of charming, he's you know got his all his pages out, and uh, Aurelia comes over to pour him some tea or something, and all the pages, wouldn't you know it, blow into the wind, and they're scattered across this pond, and she runs in to jump in, but before yep. she does, she takes slow off motion her dress yep. take off. <laughs> she takes off her shirt, and he's instantly in love with her. Just like it, just yeah. like it oh, always happens. Fuck. Wait, she's hot. <laughs> I didn't know. She, I didn't know she was fucking hot. Yeah, and then he jumps oh, in after her yeah, and everything. Like... Yeah. So Kira Knightley finally comes over. Uh, she basically corners Andrew Lincoln because he won't answer her calls or whatnot, and so she just goes over to his house, demands to see the tape. And dude, I fucking uh, look. I've only seen this actor Andrew Lincoln in The Walking Dead. And I only watched the first two seasons. I liked what I saw. Like, he's a good actor, and I'm sure he's a great actor in other things. But his reactions throughout this entire scene are just so strange and alien to me. He's <laughs> fucking garbage in this movie. He <laughs> sucks so hard in this movie. Like, he's clearly there for a paycheck. And it's like, because he is a good actor. We know he yeah. is. He just, like, he fucking. Yeah, I mean, he, like, did not give a shit about this movie, and it's very evident. And he probably got the most fucking famous scene from it. Definitely, yeah, definitely the most famous scene, and I will... And again, I argue it's mostly because of his characters so weirdly written, and, like, this shit's crazy. So, let me break this down. She goes to watch the, the video of the wedding to find out that he spent the entire wedding shooting just her... The, the camera is zoomed in literally on her face the entire proceeding, and so you can't see any other person except for her, just her face. Like, what is the fucking psychology behind this? If it's he like American didn't plan Psycho. To show, this is some serial killer shit. If he didn't plan to show them the wedding footage he shot, that means he shot footage of his best friend's wife, whom we now realize he's been madly in love with, is this to punish himself with too later or to jerk off to? What is he doing with this I don't know. footage? I don't know. Like, it's why would you punish creepy. yourself with this? Like, to hurt? Like, this is so hurtful. I would, like, this is insane. Yeah, it's very fucking weird and creepy. And, like, it's some, like, weird fucking high school stalker bullshit. Yeah, and his reaction is just so bizarre. And she's, like, like looking like, oh, well, you got quite close. And then finally, like, realizing after every shot is of her, like, well, you never talked to me. And he's just like, oh, well. I gotta go. Let yourself out. Uh, like talking. Yeah, his- he leaves his own apartment. <laughs> yeah, he leaves. Which, to be fair, I think I if I were caught in that situation, <laughs> I think I'd leave too. <laughs> I think I'd probably just be like, uh, burn the place down. Like whatever you need to <laughs> yeah. do. Because <laughs> yeah, he leaves literally like shouting outside and like just like rubbing his head and like a wander. He's got a whole like sad guy walk around montage. Like have it half expected him to start doing the fucking footloose dance. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the hot rod. Yeah, like punch dance yeah, fighting. So good, I wish. Yeah. Oh man. Fucking better movie. (laughs) So we find out Liam Neeson's kid is in love. Uh, He's fallen for an American classmate who's also named Joanna. That was his mom's name. Gross. Don't like that. And the way he plans to woo her is. He's not going to slap at a bass. He's going to play some drums, dude. He's going to become a drummer. He doesn't know how to drum, but he thinks if he plays the drums in the Christmas band, that'll get her. Yeah, solid reasoning. I'm sure he'll figure it out in three weeks, too. No big deal. So there is the office Christmas party at uh, Hans Gruber's agency. (laughs) (laughs) So you Snape, now he's Hans Gruber. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Any other famous characters? Yeah, Yeah. he was the villain in uh, Robin Hood. I got to think of that name. Um, So anyway, (laughs) yeah. 
at at his agency's uh, Christmas party, that's where a few of these characters finally get to uh, mingle, and their you know stories kind of develop more specifically with Laura Linney and Rodrigo. Uh, they have been clearly pining for each other for a very long time, and they finally get to dance. They're flirting it up. It seems like oh shit, dude, this finally might actually happen. Go home before they do leave. Uh, Emma Thompson finally is watching. Uh, Alan Rickman more carefully and has been noticing that he is very friendly with this uh, Mia, the secretary. So we know that's going to be blowing up pretty soon. Laura Linney takes him home, uh, Rodrigo Santoro, and they start some like pre-sex. That's Mm -hmm. what it's called, right? Like foreplay? Foreplay, I think. (laughs) You've had sex, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's the priest. It's the part that comes... The car, pre and post. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, it all fits. It all fits. We'll cut that. We'll I cut. mean, if you need, no, if you need some help, I have, I've had sex like a lot. Like I've had sex so much. Like, dude, I, dude, no, I, nothing. Yeah. To, I don't have any doubts that you'd have, that you've had that thing, that you've done that stuff. Yeah. I've, I've done sex. We, and they've done sex too. Honestly, this is a pretty passionate right. sex scene or pre-sex scene. We get some titties. We get some chests. And he's ripped. <laughs> he's ripped. He's insane. This guy shouldn't be working as like a, what, a mail clerk at a fucking marketing agency or whatever he's doing. Yeah, like, he should be the model. Yeah, this yeah, guy is model. like a fucking cologne model. Yeah, he's yeah. fucking gorgeous. Uh, but just as they're about to have what I would imagine would be just some glorious sex. Nah, probably not. <laughs> she does get a call. It's her brother. This is a heartbreaking story. We find out her brother is not mentally well. He is in a facility, uh, a home right now, and calls her constantly at all hours of the day. And she, because her parents are no longer there, feels responsible for him and will answer and has put her whole life on hold because uh, she feels obligated to um, care for him. Unnecessarily horrific story. Unnecessary in this movie. Really, like, it puts me off so much. Like, it just, it doesn't need to be in this movie. No, it doesn't. And, like, I don't, she, like, leaves to go visit her brother in the hospital. And, yeah, like, just, again, these very sad scenes of, like, him just sitting there almost, like, tries to hit hit her. her At one point, yeah, it's just, like, yeah, it, like, this movie does such a weird job at trying to, like, throw you, like, emotional twists. Yes. Pulp Fiction. Yeah, it's Pulp Fiction. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's no more A Better Represented coming up here soon where we cut from the whole Colin in the bar, zany, like having fun threesome situation to Emma Thompson breaking down in her bedroom because of like the infidelity of her husband. It's just like, you can't, you can't throw in all this like bullshit Liam Neeson, like whimsy of him. Like, oh, well, we've got to go get to Sam. We're going to convince her to love you. And then it's like, this woman can't have a single relationship because of her mentally ill brother. A very sad man. And then that's cut from that to, uh, Mr. Bean, Rowan Atkinson comes in for one Who's scene, like, essentially. What is he, magic? Like, he's like... <laughs> I didn't know this at all, but I guess in the cast commentary, one of the bits of trivia here, he was meant to be uh, a Christmas angel. Like, his whole plot was going to be to, like, come into a few of these stories as an angel, but I guess they scrapped it last minute, or they cut it... Only made two of them? <laughs> or they cut it either way. He just comes in as this, like, jewelry counter clerk who meticulously packages this gift for Alan Rickman because Mia has asked essentially like it's it's led up to the point where she's going to give him anything he wants aka that sex stuff and then he's mm. going to give her something pretty so he goes to the jewelry store and the ugliest fucking necklace I've ever <laughs> seen in my life oh my god we were dying at how fucking ugly this thing is 
Ew, it's the worst. And it's just like gaudy gold. Like, yeah. it doesn't, it's it's the worst necklace ever. And again, it's supposed to be the super fancy place. He's spending a shit ton of money on this very, very ugly necklace. And Rowan Atkinson's packaging it. He's taking too long. And Emma Thompson comes over kind of suspect at first. And he sort of abandons it. So I didn't think he actually even bought it. Turns out he did. I guess he just didn't get the packaging. Yeah, I didn't think he did yeah. either. And so he's got yeah. that in his jacket pocket. That would come in here in a little bit. But we did fail to mention this is the point now where Colin does make it to that bar. Those three girls, I didn't recognize, I recognized all three of them. One of them, I couldn't place her name. It's Ivana Milsevec, and I know I'm mispronouncing that. But the other two, January Jones from Mad Men. I remember January Jones. And then uh, Jones, Alicia yeah. Cuthbert, yes. uh, the girl next door. Yeah, it's hilarious. It and so, funny. yeah, <laughs> their whole bit, yeah, you can come back. Uh, it's unfortunate, though, because we don't really have that much room. We only have one bed. and. Because it's so we're so poor, we can't afford pajamas or something. So we so we all sleep naked. naked. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, it's like over the top funny. You'll also have to meet our fourth roommate. And I kept thinking like, oh, they're gonna set this one up to be either super gross or there's gonna be some payoff where the fourth roommate is what makes this all funny. But instead, it's just another smoking hot, beautiful gore. It's Shannon Elizabeth. Yeah, we find out at the end. And he like brings brings home like a girl for his friend too. <laughs> He does. Yeah. It's oh fucking, my god! It's so stupid. It's the dumbest fucking thing in the world. It makes it so funny. But yeah, this bar scene, one of the most over-the-top like comedic moments, is then it cuts to a moment of crushing disappointment with Emma Thompson's storyline, where she they are opening one present before Christmas, and she recognized she actually like looked through his jacket and found that the necklace was in there. So she's super psyched and just honestly. What's most sad about it is that you can tell he's never gone out of his way to get her a good gift. She even comments like he gets her a scarf every year or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so she's actually like, wow, he actually went out of his way to get this for me. And then she opens the gift she believes that is uh, on Christmas Eve. And it turns out the packaging very similar. It turns out to just be a CD. And um, a sad CD. She goes too. into the bedroom. <laughs> yeah. And she listens to the CD and just sits there like breaking down or trying not to break down rather so that she can go have like a nice Christmas Eve with her kids. It's fucking heartbreaking. I will say this, I think, was the biggest twist of the movie for me because I was convinced that like things were going to like Liz, he got up for her or something like that. I did not see his actual infidelity coming. And that's the thing is like, do they do they? Do they actually hook up? I don't know. I don't know, but he did buy the necklace for her. Yes. So, like, oh, yes. he's done wrong. He did something wrong, regardless of whether or not he actually did hook up with his secretary or not. I feel like it was implied because she's wearing it later. It's possible the movie never shows that to you, and so I don't know. And so you're left to, like, maybe give him the benefit of the doubt, but I don't think he deserves it. No, no, no. He's a terrible, terrible character. Very sad. And, yeah, her and I, Emma Thompson's just fucking killing I think she may not be my favorite character, but I think she's the best performance in this movie. One of the best, anyway. Yeah, I, th- yeah, I would agree with that. And so Billy Mack, he ends up scoring the number one Christmas song. It's set up that he's just going to have a real fun fucking Christmas Eve partying and whatnot. going to do like Coke at Elton John's or something like that, which, again, <laughs> yeah. believable. Yeah, but instead just ends up uh, hanging with his manager for the rest of the night, really. Um, and they have a nice little sweet reunion later on. Martin Freeman does end up asking that other stand-in co-star out, and uh, he gets a smooch on her doorstep, so that's real sweet. Mm-hmm. That's almost all that comes of their characters. You do see him one more time at the Christmas concert later. By the way, everyone goes to this Christmas concert. 
Yeah, everyone goes to this Christmas concert and they all meet up at the airport at the end of the movie too. Like everybody knows each other. That's not a joke. Like like I don't know how Martin Freeman knows any of these people, but they say hi to each other in the airport. Yep. <laughs> like he knows every like they all know each other. And it's so weird because like half of them never interact with each other at all. This is probably one of my real big laughs of the movie is when Colin Firth he has left Aurelia. They have this like tearful goodbye again, even though they still don't speak each other's languages. And then through this montage, a lot of this movie, by the way, montage through these characters, what they're doing. Yeah. He's sucks. learning Portuguese. So he leaves, he goes home to his relatives. And as he's standing in the doorway with all like the gifts and stuff, um, they're like, everyone like comes running in in one shot and they're like, Oh, Jamie, we missed you so much. And he's like, you know what? I've actually got to go. And then he's like, man's got to do what a man's got to do. And he puts, he like turns around and walks away. And the kids I hate like, Uncle Jamie. <laughs> I hate Uncle Jamie. Like they're just chanting it. I hate Uncle Jamie. <laughs> Again, yeah, know, this movie has its moments of like actual funniness in it. Where it's uh, like, I hate Uncle Jamie. <laughs> it's just a good line. <laughs> and then we get that famous scene with, uh, yeah, Andrew Lincoln. He visits Kira Knightley. And this scene, again, I guess if it's, it's sweet if you see it in a five minute little YouTube clip or on your Facebook or Instagram. Instagram feed but when you watch the movie in context it's like kind of it's fucked up well that's the first time I saw it I felt like I had more of an appreciation for it because like it just feels like there's more of a build-up for it now like if you really put it in perspective they only have like two scenes together and then like he does this weird stalking thing and like if you're really thinking about it like he's been coveting his best friend's wife for who knows how many years giving her the cold shoulder then he like stalks her at her own wedding and like films her secretly and it's very very gross and then he like shows up to her apartment while with his friend there yeah upstairs unbeknownst to him yeah and like confesses his fucking love for her and it's like you're a bad guy <laughs> this isn't cool rick yeah rick <laughs> Carl, Carl, Shane. Yeah, it's basically Carl, Rick, Rick, Shane situation, really. Um, so yeah, he gets there. He's got the um the boombox playing because he tells her like tell him it's Christmas carolers based off all these like cue cards that he's got written up already. Plays the radio and yeah, goes through these cue cards saying you know he even though like nothing will come from it, he just wants to tell her that you know she's perfect and that he loved her and all this shit and. And, like, I get what they're going for, but I also kind of want to see, like, imagine Chiwetel for like, walking down halfway through and him having to, like, scramble with yeah. these fucking cue cards on the ground. Fuck, 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 <laughs> yeah, fuck, Pick up fuck, the jukebox um, and sprint down the street. <laughs> and what's funny is I always thought the husband was, like, just given the context of this whole scene, like, maybe the husband was, like, a dick or, like, a yeah. bad guy. He's not. <laughs> He's literally just getting fucked over. <laughs> This, by his best like, friend, yeah. By his best friend. And his <laughs> wife knows it and doesn't say anything. And, like, you're just led to believe because, like, after this whole scene where he's, like, throwing the cue cards at her, she gives him a kiss in the street. And then he, like, walks away and he's like, okay, no more. Like, essentially saying, like, okay, like, I'm going to stop. Yeah, I'm moving on. Fucking yeah. creepy. Yeah, I'm moving on. I'm going to stop being creepy about this. I'm, like, fucking... But, like, you're just led to believe that they just go on with their lives with that having happened. Yeah. And, like, that's a secret between those two people. And, like, they're keeping out, like, his best friend, her husband. Like, they're bad people. <laughs> this isn't, like, this isn't the romantic gesture that, like, it's been parodied and, like, is led to believe and, like, romanticized by the people who love this movie. This is a bad thing happening. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, not very, not very. It's not a very ultimate romantic comedy, dude, but no. Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction, though. You're right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Pulp Fiction of rom-coms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his whole enough, enough now. All right, well, we're willing to forgive you. Cool, dude, thanks. Yeah, you And got so it. the prime minister finally decides to tell Natalie how he feels after he reads one of her Christmas cards she sent yep. to him. Uh, but just as he's arrived, the whole family's leaving to go to this fucking rager of a school play, this Christmas Which, concert. Again, almost annoyed how much I enjoyed him going door to door, knocking on doors as the prime minister, and him just doing Hugh Grantisms. <laughs> yeah, and like at one point he just like says like, "Sorry, we're you know I know I know I fucked things up, but I'm working on it." <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah. okay, like I appreciate that. That's yeah, funny. that's a good little bit. That whole bit is honestly pretty funny. So is the like the girls asking him to crisp like to sing Christmas carols, and he starts and his like limo driver is a fucking beautiful yeah. singer. <laughs> yeah, it's actually like uh, it's so annoying how many like actual kind of like funny things are in this movie. I agree. Like, no, it's like it you delivers on hate parts so, of it. Yeah, like, you want to hate parts of this movie, but like the comedy and the rom com is actually like there and it's kind of annoying yeah another laugh i got out of this is as he's driving them to the play uh because there's not enough room like the kid in the octopus costumes just sort of sitting next to them or in between them while he's trying to have this like very serious conversation with her yeah Uh, it's a good bit and this of course is that same concert where sam will be playing drums so many of our characters all coming together now except for colin firth because he flew to get aurelia back in france like a fucking psycho um Portugal. Portugal, yes, I'm sorry. Um, so the one yeah. joy that Emma Thompson's character's <laughs> character does get in this movie is seeing her brother at the Christmas concert. He arrives with Natalie. They, like, sneak in because they're going to watch from, like, behind the curtain or whatever. And she sees him and thinks that he has come there for her children, for her their family, which he never does. Incorrect. <laughs> yeah, yes, incorrect. She almost breaks down just being like, this is the happiest I've been. Like, thank you so Like, I needed this. And to know that, like, the yeah. one. <laughs> My life is crumbling. But, like, and, like, and, like, the, it's, it's a false priest. Again, yeah. this is just movie. Just, like. <laughs> Delivering false joy. Again, just like beating this character into the ground, being like, no, it's not for your kids, it's for some bussy. He was there because he's trying, yeah, because he's trying to freaking get laid. <laughs> and I don't, is, is that, is this the climax of the movie? Or maybe the airport bit is, I don't know, but there's just. No, I don't think the airport, I think the airport bit is a fucking. Little coda. <laughs> is a, is a shtick. Yeah. yeah it's a coda. Because um, this, I, this performance, right? This feels like the climax, Yeah. <laughs> Because they've been fucking talking about this goddamn Christmas concert for fucking weeks now. I just like, I don't know. But yeah, it is the the culmination because they're they're all finally together, and like it's Christmas, we did it. Like, um, this fucking little American girl comes in and like, of course, like blows people away because every like American child can sing. Liam Neeson trying to get like his stepson laid is a weird bit to me yeah i'm not I mean, in love obviously with this. not yeah. obviously not getting him laid because they're children but yeah, like, yeah yeah the whole like him like trying to like orchestrate a child romance to me is it doesn't sit well with me no no and i think it is partly because it's liam neeson you have to let, you have to let kids be kids <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and it is because it's liam neeson yeah him like his old like irish ass like I, he's such a good actor i i always forget that he's oscar schindler he is a brilliant actor and yeah he just hasn't been given much to do over the last yeah 15 years exactly yeah and he's also kind of an asshole in real life too <laughs> oh from yeah it's personal <laughs> well, we stuff. should yeah. give we should give equal pay to a liam well, liam 
Liam. Ta- would you take? Would you take a pay cut? Oh no 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 no, <laughs> Liam. <laughs> it's my favorite. If you haven't heard that Liam Neeson interview, go look it up. Like Liam Neeson, uh, women's equal pay. It's the funniest fucking thing. Like how he's trying to be an ally, but then when he's like called to action, he's like, "What fuck no? Why would I do that?" <laughs> God. <laughs> and he's so open about it. It's so funny. Go Jesus. look it up. But yeah, she sings anyway, um, but yeah, All I yeah. Want for Christmas. That's the song. So, of course, it's a banger. Yeah, of course. Brings the fucking house down. Yeah. And Sam does pretty good on the drums. Mm-hmm. She even, I do like when the ends of the song, like, All I Want for Christmas is you. And she points at him first. And he's like smiling like, oh. And then she just keeps going out like, and you, and like pointing at people and in the crowd. Yeah, and he and starts yeah, getting yeah. pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> And he's like, fucking bullshit, this fucking bitch. Uh, yeah, and then right at the end of the song, everyone's cheering, the curtains open to reveal Merry Christmas behind them, but lo and behold, Prime Minister and Natalie are fucking making out backstage. And there's the awkward turn to the audience like, oh no, what are we going to do now? Imagine, look, I get it, they shrug it off like, oh, what our bachelor scallywag minister, Prime Minister moment. Imagine if this is Joe Biden. I know. Well, and I mean, you also have to picture Joe Biden as single. Like, well, do you actually, if this is uh, Joe Biden? Do you? I was going to say, Joe do Biden, you? I don't and know. He's like but, making out with Jill Biden uh, behind. No, I mean, it's like. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Well, well I mean, you, yeah, exactly. you're that, the one who told that, me to yeah. picture it, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. all right? But now that I picture it, if it's Joe Biden and Jill Biden and there's no. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't think we would cheer. If it's Donald, <laughs> if it's do. Donald and Ivanka. Oh, God. If it's, it depends on where that concert is, but yeah, you might get some. Wait, cheese. Ivanka. Wait, is Ivanka his daughter or? Is... It doesn't matter, dude. <laughs> no, that's his former. That's his ex. That's his ex. That's his Ivanka ex. Trump, okay, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't pay attention to that man. I've tried to forget it all. Choking on several hundred cheeseburgers. Yeah, I mean, Ivanka's so... the daughter. Just to put, just Melania. To yeah, Melania. Yeah, Ivanka <laughs> is the daughter, which makes this whole thing even funnier. Don't cut. Oh this. gosh. But yeah, I, I Liam Neeson specifically in happy dad mode, I just don't like to, like this is where it's super cheesy when he like breaks out of the like you know, like the school doors at the end, like Sam, you did it, you killed it, man. The best performance I've ever seen. You were so good at the drums. Yeah, and it's like, all right, come calm it down. Shot, yeah, mine was definitely more Connery, <laughs> but I went with it. It's all yeah. good. But when I see Liam Neeson in dad mode, post you know 2005 essentially it's always going to be who do i have to kill to get my daughter back yeah which wolf do i have to stab to get out of this hellscape (laughs) is he about to murder several hundred airport security guards in 2002 (laughs) that that was my biggest okay so we'll break it down but this was my biggest problem with this movie so he drives like joanna is going back to america and he's driving his son to say goodbye to her at the airport and like Mr. Bean shows up as the mystical Mr. Bean um, where, so he distracts the security guard so that Sam, is that the little boy yep. can like sneak in and go say goodbye. And I'm like sitting here. I'm like, this movie was released in what? 2003. Yeah. 2002. 2003. Like, yeah. 2003. 9-11 was like a year and a half prior. Yeah. They opened the movie. This little boy gets fucking shot yep definitely at the air like for doing this yep like that there's no way this little kid runs past airport security and they don't put 700 bullets in him circa yeah circa 2003 no fucking way not a fucking chance first of all he's not getting past a security guard i don't care how fucking distracted they are by mr bean and who wouldn't be um (laughs) <laughs> he's so damn charming yeah, he's so funny um but but, <laughs> but 
Like, he's not getting past security, and he's definitely not getting to a terminal. <laughs> this isn't America. We should put that back into perspective. This isn't Correct. You know, this isn't an American but it airport. Is, However, but it is the American terminal. <laughs> Like, yes, it, and this plane is going to JFK. Yeah, and they open the movie with the line about 9-11. It's like everyone sends messages of love or whatnot. He's like, I can imagine the people's like messages to their loved ones on and on 9-11 were not messages of hate, but of love or something. So they, they're well aware in airports how yeah. important and like acknowledge. exactly acknowledging yes. 9-11. So it's like, no way is this that this is the, this is the most unrealistic thing in the whole movie. I buy Colin's storyline story of getting laid in America yeah. <laughs> over him, <laughs> over this kid getting through airport security without a passport. Yeah, like this kid doesn't walk out of that airport a lot. And they just like shove him down. They don't arrest Liam Neeson. <laughs> They're just like, there you go, kid. Don't do it again. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. They literally don't even talk to him. They just bring him back to his dad. Like, here he is. Like, what the fuck? Kevin McAllister got into more trouble in Home Alone too. Yeah, they don't look at the dad and they're like, what the fuck is your problem? Like... <laughs> Did you tell him to like run through here to say goodbye to some girl? What Do you know that like 3,000 people died like two and a half years yeah. ago because of this bullshit? This isn't like, a movie. Yeah, this isn't a this movie. This isn't a movie. I'm just saying it's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> and this, I guess this is what they sort of play the climax as, like him running through the halls. And it's this movie, you've seen, the scene you've seen in so many movies, but that's also cross cut with Colin Firth arriving in, I guess, Portugal or wherever they do live. I don't know if they live in, because yeah. she was the maid in France either well, way. She, yeah, I think she was just there for like something. For some work the period summer. thing. Yeah, yeah, okay. I don't know. Either way, she's now a waitress at a restaurant, so he goes to her family home, asks for her hand in marriage. They agree, the dad consents, because I think he just wants to get his daughters out of the house. So they yeah. all follow him to work. There's a whole another crowd fat, that Another fat joke, by the way playing off because oh right because the sister one right like the sister isn't because his, yeah, yeah he, because he comes up and he's like I'm, a, I'm here to ask your daughter to marry you and he calls his daughter and it's a different daughter and she's like fatter and uglier and yeah. it's like Thanks, yeah yeah Thanks, shallow hell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> but yeah he does eventually like get to the restaurant and he has learned portugal portuguese so he actually you know tells her he loves her and asks for her mar- and a marriage and she in agrees broke, and, in broken portuguese <laughs> yeah and she speaks in broken english accepts it's uh, kind of sweet because it realizes, oh, she's learned English too. That's so sweet. They love each other. And they've known each other for a month, right? A month. If that? A yeah. month. Well, if that, because they spend, it, it's also implied that he, they both learn a different language within like. Days. What? One <laughs> one week? Yeah. Like, like fucking the kid learns how to play the drums like expertly in like three weeks and they learn different languages in a week and like. But it all pays off, man. Sam does get a kiss on the cheek at the airport. Um, and uh, that's that's basically it. We do get the kind of epilogue of everyone at the airport again, where seemingly everyone's arriving on the same, not the same flight, but in the same airport at the same time. Yeah, but whatever. I'm willing to just chalk this up to like editing, but like it's kind of bizarre how everyone's there. <laughs> yeah, it, it it is, and it makes no sense. I don't get why everybody's there. You know, there it's it's just to show you like, oh wow, now it's the future. Like fucking Colin brings back babes. <laughs> yeah, Denise Richards and Shannon Elizabeth. Yeah, one yeah. one for his friend, which is insane. And then yeah, we've got the prime minister and Natalie reuniting. We've got yeah. um, Sam and the little girl reuniting. So Liam Neeson's there, who also. Like ran into some woman at the concert and was just like, because she's hot, 
for some reason. <laughs> he's like immediately like he's yeah. Days earlier was like, oh, I'm I'm I can't fall in love with anyone else. Like your mom was the one for me, and then yeah. immediately like just bumping maybe, into this woman at the concert. Like, oh fuck, wait, hang on, maybe not. He's just like, just kidding. Now we're now we're in love, and then like. Yeah, fucking Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson are like very icy to each other, but it looks like they're working through it. Fuck this, by the way. I, yeah, like, it's so sad. It's like I don't, I don't know how to feel. It's like them just like work staying together yeah. for the kids. You can clearly tell, and it's like, oh, that's not how I wanted her character to end up. Laura Linney doesn't really have a resolution. She just She's like goes on being like, like oh. fucking miserable with her brother. Like that sucks. Like it just, yeah. yeah. Very unsatisfying ending in in certain parts. Yeah, it's one of those things where, again, it's like on the surface, and as you're sitting there, you're like, oh, that was so sweet. And then you shut it off, and you like walk to the kitchen. You're like, hang on a second. Wait a minute. What happened to this person? And- yeah, I think you are just like, I mean, this is the end of the movie, right? We yeah, get another that is the end. Of like, yeah, that's the yeah. end. So I'll just like jump into it, I guess. Do it up. Yeah, um, like the, this movie kind of tricks you into thinking that it's more romantic than it is. There's a lot of weird storylines. And, um, and like, I just like, you know, I don't appreciate some of the weirder storylines of this, like Liam Neeson trying to spark a child romance. Don't appreciate it. Uh, Alan Rickman essentially cheating on his wife, potentially full on cheating on his wife. And then they like work through it and like continue to like, just make it happen. Like, don't appreciate that. Don't appreciate all the employer employee relationships. Don't appreciate, Laura Linney's like devastating fucking whole thing is there's just like a lot of issues with the stories. And I think because, or, or the weird stalker friend. And I think just because there's so much comedy and romance kind of wrapped into the whole movie, you're almost tricked into forgetting that like some of these storylines are shitty. Like if you look at these as individual strands, one after the other, like, like if we're not like interlocking them with other scenes in the movie and you're just watching these as like straight on anthologies, a lot of these just don't work. They're like kind of gross and kind of weird. And, and I think we have the same problem in this movie that we had with Mars attack last week where like we, there's these characters, there's such a big cast and like so many respected people and different storylines going on, but they have so little screen time. You barely can fucking, establish any sort of rapport with these characters or give a shit about any of them. Um, Like a couple of them, like Laura Lenny, Emma Thompson, you care about everybody else. I feel like doesn't really even get enough screen time. Like, and I definitely don't care about Sam and his like weird, like eighth grade crush. Like that's just too low stakes for this movie. You know, I, I just, I think it has a lot of story issues and I don't think that a lot of the things that we found iconic about this movie necessarily hold up because I think they're a lot weirder than we gave them credit for. Um, now that said, it's weird how well this movie's made. <laughs> it's like, it, it is like, it's well done in parts. Like the comedy is weirdly there. That was the part that I was sure wasn't going to be there. That was the part that I was like convinced. I was like, no, this movie won't be funny. It's like funny. It's a funny movie. It's annoying. Um, and yeah, so I just, I think that like, it's so easy to get wrapped up in the Christmas of it and the love aspect of it. And just kind of like, you know, again, back in 2000s, I think it was easy to ignore some of the problematic things that are going on in this movie or like some of the weird aspects of it. I think if you're watching it objectively now, I think those are hard to overlook. If you're nostalgic about it, obviously you're going to find parts of this movie that you love because you loved it for a reason and 
we respect that. We get that. Um, I just don't think that you can look at this movie fresh now and see any sort of like redeeming qualities when it comes to like what's actually going on. But again, funny ish. Um, I, I can't say I was like bored ever. I mean, maybe, maybe a few times I was bored, but like, there's just some weird, weird shit going on in this movie. Uh, it's got a 64 on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to give it lower. I'm going to say it's a 50. I'm going to say it's a solid 50-50 movie. I think there's enough to be enjoyed in it. Just don't fucking think about it too much because, man, oh, man, like if you do for like five seconds, you're going to start poking holes in this movie. Yeah, it's got a real real soft spot for sexual predators, it seems. Yeah, it does. <laughs> It does. You're right. It, it, it is kind of problematic in the uh, year of our Lord 2021. I will say the cast really does boost this up. Like the, the screenplay yes. itself, it does feature just such paper thin characters and storylines. And it is only, I think, as clever as it seems because they're in the, the sort of crash and Pulp Fiction mold of like, here's this person here and they're going to come in this. That's without that. <laughs> I really think the movie would be something that you'd find on Netflix today that no one would give a shit about. Like if this movie was released today, it'd be on streaming and no one would care. It's a Hallmark movie with a big budget. Yes, with a great cast. And that's really what's worth watching here. And Richard Curtis, yeah, God damn it. Like he gets you sometimes. And I will say that the the biggest difference I feel watching this movie than I did with Mars Attacks, other than obviously like the plot and tonal inconsistencies about disparate characters and the, the giant cast, I do care more for these characters and even the characters that or even the storylines I'm not satisfied with. I do care about Emma Thompson and Laura Linney and I hope that like they're played so well and they're given just enough that you like want them to turn out better and that like, you know, maybe that red nose day, maybe that solves some of their issues. Maybe I'll have to get up on that to see if their uh, storylines are ended more satisfyingly. But it is it's kind of a, a, a magic trick that by the end of it, you really think you've watched something that's, that's super wholesome and sweet. And then you look through most of the scenes, honestly, from the weird porno stand ins to the the strange like power dynamics of these men at their work yeah. with, with these um, subordinates. It's there's a lot of weird shit in here. And I will say the look of it, the soundtrack of it also help kind of just move it along quickly. It is two hours and 12 minutes, and I don't necessarily think it feels that long few parts could be excised entirely and you would miss nothing, but there are enough genuinely funny moments and there are enough heartwarming moments that I do think it's a slight pass. And so, yeah, yeah, 64% is kind of right where I'm at too. I think I'll give it a 60. I'll give it just fresh, barely fresh. I I think that it is a movie that I could see myself watching again, although never alone. This isn't a movie you ever need to watch alone. And to be honest, that's my biggest problem with Not only this movie, but a lot of Christmas movies that are set, or a lot of, I'm sorry, romantic movies that are set at Mm -hmm. Christmas is I just don't find Christmas to be the most romantic holiday. It's more about families, and I just don't, I've never understood that Hollywood conceit. This was something I was thinking about before we started recording, too. Really, the only Christmas part that comes into it is Alan Rickman, it's like an excuse for him to, like, buy a gift, like, not for his wife and for her to find out. And like this fucking Christmas concert, you could have set this movie at any point during the year. Could have set around fucking. Oh sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could have set it around Thanksgiving, same fucking movie. Uh, you could have set it around any holiday, or just like in the middle of the fucking summer. Like, and this is like, <laughs> yeah, like there, it doesn't change no... the plot points all that much. Yeah, yeah. I... Also, and like one artist trying to get like a number one Christmas where he could just like. Like it could be based around an album release or something like that. I, like it's it's bullshit. 
Christmassy. Yeah. Like it doesn't need to be set around Christmas, and it's this is where it becomes like a marketing ploy to just be like, yeah, Christmas, <laughs> like, you know? Yeah, and and in my opinion, I think the romance aspect of it is what works the least, the like the worst. Essentially, I feel yeah. like the dramatic moments, the stuff with Emma Thompson, Laura Linney, and the moments of like the weird. I wouldn't say raunchy comedy, but like the studio comedy shit with like Bill Nye as the aging rock star and the yeah. fucking college kid who goes off to America. <laughs> like those are kind of the best parts, weirdly enough, for a movie. I really didn't anticipate liking those parts at all. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does American Pie a lot better than it does like the romantic comedy. <laughs> like yeah. it's, it, it's yeah. weird. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's okay as a movie. I don't think it's. Like, I don't think we should be looking at it as, like, the flagship of, like, romantic comedies. Like, no, I feel no. like a lot of people do. But, uh, you know, I think you could find a lot worse. For sure. And and a lot better, especially around the holidays. So I uh, hope you guys have yeah. a happy holiday before we wrap up here. Um, Zach, was there anything yeah. that you did watch over the last few weeks that you wanted to recommend or not recommend? Um, I mean, I've been kind of busy the last couple of weeks, obviously with freaking Christmas right around the corner, but, uh, Mm. I did, and I'm, you probably saw this too, so, or you did see this too, so I'm going to steal it from you. I did go and see the new Spider-Man movie. Spitterman. Spitterman. Uh, what is it? No Way Home? No Way Home. Yeah. Yeah. No Way Home. I saw it. Um, and that's a good nostalgia be damned movie because... Because obviously they bring back all the Sam Raimi like villains, like that's kind of nice. You know what? If you're a Marvel fan, I don't think there's anything we could say that would keep you from watching or loving this movie. If you're a Spider-Man fan, and if like you're, if you're not necessarily a Marvel fan, like I'm not, I I really don't like Marvel movies, but I am a big Spider-Man fan. I think it's worth going to watch because I think there's definitely some like old Spider-Man aspects of it that really redeem that movie other than just, you know, Willem Dafoe and fucking Tobey Maguire. (laughs) Yeah, I I had a good time with it. I could definitely recommend it. Uh, It's one of those movies that, yeah, people were fucking losing their shit in the theaters. And I feel like because we've been lacking those sort of communal cinematic experiences for the last year and a half or two years, rather, it it played a bit better than I think it probably would have in any other year. Agreed. (laughs) <laughs> but but still a fun time. I enjoyed it. Please stop cheering in theaters, though. I I can't, <laughs> I can't fucking put up with it anymore, man. I like if you did like if we were watching this movie on my couch and you cheered like during the middle of a movie, I'd fucking turn around and punch you. The only reason I'd I ask you to leave. Yeah, yeah. The only reason I don't do it in a theater is because we're in public and that's assault. <laughs> oh shit. Well, uh, Zach. Speaking of superhero comic book movies. Taking a little yeah. dip in there next week, huh? Wait, did you have a recommendation? I mean, I could technically do the Spitterman. I'm trying to think of anything else I watched over the last week here. Oh, I did rewatch. Um, just to, it is Christmas time, so I'll throw this out there. Uh, the night before, it it's it remains uh, a, a Christmas movie. I can go back to uh, for Michael Shannon. Yeah, I watched <laughs> them up at Christmas Carol. Nice, <laughs> there it is. That movie fucking that movie holds the fuck up and more. It's yeah, so check good. out our episode <laughs> on that one. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's I love that movie. <laughs> um, 
I don't remember if I loved it when we watched it, but I was watching it the other night. I was like, this movie's great. Yeah, I remember <laughs> specifically loving that, like, this is a Muppets movie. And I've even seen memes now created of this where it's like, this is a Muppets movie. Let's keep it light and, and, and happy. And then it shows Michael Caine. He's like, I'm going to act as if this is a fucking car accident. Yeah, I'm going to yeah, take this exactly. as serious as a car accident. It's yeah. fucking, yeah, he's doing Charles Dickens. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everybody else is doing the Muppets. It's amazing. It's so good. It's so funny. Um, <laughs> anyway, anyway, uh, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was just curious. No, 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 you're good. Yeah, that was the only one I saw. Speaking of the superhero movies, I think we're going back to where it all fucking started. Like the legit first, I mean, there was Blade in 98, I think, but the first real superhero team coming together in a big budget studio film that like went to theaters. Yeah. 2000s X-Men. Yeah. I'm excited. I can't (sighs) remember the last time I saw X-Men. It's been a long fucking time. It's been a long fucking time. And we're going to have so much to talk about because obviously this is just like, I look at what has fucking become yeah. of not just superhero movies, but the fucking box office in general is just yeah. littered with this bullshit. And so like, I'm excited because I like it. Like, I remember it being good. Was it good enough to spark a fucking cultural revolution? I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm looking for someone to blame. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> I am too. And who better than Brian Singer? I think who brought us this one, by the way. So, you motherfucker. Oh boy. So yeah, uh, yeah. X Men. I what is it? It's, it must be a, a Disney Plus, right? Disney yeah. Plus. So it's streaming. Yeah, yes. if you don't have it, check it out there before you listen to our episode, if you wish. And check out a few of our other uh, Christmas episodes if you're looking to something to listen to on your travels this holiday season. I think we did, yeah, Muppet Christmas Carol. We've done Jingle All the Way, The Grinch. We've got a bunch of them up. Yeah, we've so, got a lot of solid. Uh, feel free to check those out. Christmas movies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then obviously, if you want to talk to us or send us a recommendation or anything like that, you can check us out on Twitter. We are also uh, available on Gmail, <laughs> nostalgiabedampod at gmail.com. Please, please, please send this podcast to a friend if you like us and you think they might like us. Please write us a review, um, even if you hate us. I mean, you know, let us know. Like, it's fine. You can <laughs> yeah. tell us you don't like us. We're not sure we like us. But. We'll handle it. It'll be okay. I think it's time. I feel it in my fingers. Oh, I feel it in my toes. Yeah, whatever. Happy holidays, everybody. Whatever you celebrate. Enjoy. Not you, Brandon. Brandon. <laughs>